You already know what it is. Driving Bias is back with you with the Sports Bag Bros podcast. Episode number 24. The numbers keep up, keep on going up. Wow. It's been a long day, so don't mind me. Nevertheless, we're going to get to what we need to get to while we're here, the conversation of sports. Before we do that, Bias, let the people know. What's up? Good to be back. Uh, hopefully, we're getting a larger audience. Uh, if you like what we talk about and you, you like our show share it with your friends you know help us grow so we can start interacting with a lot of people yep we're going to need that because that way the live streams will be more interesting that way we can have the conversation with you all depending on what sports you want to talk about not just our own agenda the agenda of everyone who's down with us getting on the ground floor that way we can flow together you know what i mean it's almost like having the good stock Kind of like Microsoft. You want to get in on the ground floor. Become a millionaire later on when we all go public and you don't have to say what it could have, should have. You will be <laughs> part of it. But this is our 24th episode. We've done 23 episodes previous to that. Of course, we wouldn't be at number 24 without it. And with that said, sports begins ASAP. We don't go around saying other things. But today, Jim Irsay, if you want to start with that, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts is looking at Anthony Richardson and he wants him pretty much to start. He's using the rhetoric with the NFL starting up in just a couple of weeks with mini camps or training camps, not even mini camps, training camps. The season's around the corner. Anthony Richardson, his number one pick in the draft, number three overall, he says he has to play in order to get the experience. It seems like, duh, but do you really <laughs> want this guy to play if you've seen him play at the University of Florida? Well, you know, this is a big vote of confidence to give your rookie quarterback the keys to the vehicle. But if you think back, they did that with Peyton Manning. He struggled mightily his rookie yes. season. Um, I remember when I was in fantasy football that year, I kept picking the defense that he was playing against. Um, I had a bunch of turnover points, some pick sixes. But Peyton Manning's a Hall of Famer. So you can't say that they did wrong. You know, they did wrong for Peyton. If you look at Troy Aikman and the Cowboys, they had a terrible season. What, 1-15? Yeah. Troy Aikman's a Hall of Famer. So I believe if the guy is the goods, it shouldn't matter. He's, he'll get experience and probably be better for it. Well, there was a little bit of skepticism when he was picked number three overall. If you watched him play like I have down here in the South, in the Southeastern Conference with the University of Florida – I mean, there were things that were impressive about him. Most of them were physical. It wasn't about him reading defenses with consistency and making the plays that Peyton Manning had done when he was at Tennessee, finding the receiver, reading the defense, having the pedigree, as we now know, with the Archie Manning being his father, Eli Manning also being in the family. We saw what Peyton Manning could do in college, and we knew that it was just a matter of time with his work ethic. It would probably translate over to the NFL. He did go 13 and thir three and 13 that first season, but we kind of saw the progress as it went on, ended up getting himself two Super Bowls. I mean, in Denver, it was the Denver defense. It wasn't necessarily him, but we saw what he did and made a, a career out of putting up outstanding numbers for the Indianapolis Colts. Right. Well, I did say if he's the goods. Yeah. That remains to be seen. Um, as you mentioned, there's some question marks about him, but – He's going to get thrown to the fire, and yeah. he's either going to make it or break it. So, hey, more power to the Colts, and, and good luck to Richardson. 
I always get a little leery when they talk about players or even in other sports when they're focusing more on what needs to be done than what, you know, they're focusing less on what needs to be done and they're focusing more on probably physical attributes. You know, in the boxing game, I know I'm taking it out of the football field, off the football field. In the boxing game, you get someone who has all of these intangibles that you can talk about, but they really don't necessarily translate over to boxing. Michael Grant was one of those guys who had the body and while he's boxing, they're talking about how much of a baseball player he was, how much of a defensive end he was in, in football. They're not talking about his boxing ability. <laughs> those of us who follow boxing and looked at him, we're like, mm, I don't see that he's special. He's good because he's big. And I think the same thing could be said about Anthony Richardson. You're looking for a quarterback who could pass, who could be defenses. I know this is a different era of quarterbacks to where you need them to be more athletic because the defenses are much more athletic and much faster. The, you know, the spread offenses are more of an issue today or more of a mainstay today in the NFL. But when you talk about his 40 time, you talk about him jumping, you're talking about his arm strength. That same arm strength kept throwing to the wrong person a lot of times in the SEC as well. Well, I mean, at least he has the confidence to say he wants to play. Yeah. And, you know, that, that goes a long way, believing in yourself. Maybe he's done some extra studying. Maybe he's working with the offensive coordinator. You know, maybe he's he's learned a lot in this short time. But it, it's not going to take long to, to see whether he's going to be able to uh, be successful or not. Yeah. And, of course, we have the preseason to see all of that. Along with even Bryce Young down in Carolina, we're going to get a chance to see during the preseason – but I've been hearing more good news, and I know it's probably not force-fed news coming from Bryce Young down in Carolina when you're just seeing or at least hearing the natural progression of a talented quarterback who just happens to be the number one pick in the draft. And people saying the good things, you know, you've watched sports long enough to know that people say good things even when good things aren't there. They're kind of trying to force a square peg in a round hole. You know, he's looking great, and you're like, I don't really see it. You know what I mean? And you're trying to justify your pick. When you take a player third overall, the fans want results, and even people who are non-fans, they want to see something as well. Yeah, we're talking about OTAs and team-led mm -hmm. practices. <laughs> what, what else are they going to say? We'll wait, even preseason games, is that a true measure of how well a guy's going to perform? Is he performing against third string guys, guys that aren't going to be on the on the roster in a few weeks. You know, so we have to wait and see till uh, we get to the season and we'll be able to make a true evaluation. Yeah, we already know that these OTAs, they do mean something. These mini camps and all of these and even training camp does mean something. The preseason means a little bit more. And of course, you have your first string starters and then you have like everyone else. You have your UPS workers towards the end of it. But they play those Vanilla defenses to where you would look better than you would normally look during the regular season. Of course, no one wants to show their hand as they're playing these preseason games. But, you know, the preseason doesn't necessarily give you all you need to know, especially for quarterbacks when they're not really showing. I think it's more wide receivers and running backs may shine a little bit more and you'll get to see more of the real ability they have during the preseason with them. And I'm just thinking that, you know, I've seen quarterbacks in the past that did not look good. Gardner Minshew a guy who's now kind of a journeyman, but when he was with the Jaguars in his rookie year, I didn't think he should have made the team. He turned out being good for them 
when they kept him and did solidly with him, they ultimately got rid of him because Trevor Lawrence came in as the first pick overall and alleged generational talent. And I kind of agree with it now seeing him. But yeah, but Anthony Richardson, I think I've seen enough of him in college. I just and I've seen enough football over the years. To, I don't the coaches know more than me, so I'm not one of those types. I just don't see this guy being that player. And it has everything to do with his athleticism and not enough to do with the decisions he's made while playing at Florida. I mean, he, he's been off a lot. And unless they could really cure that, they didn't do it with Tebow in Denver. Will it be any different here? Well, I mean, <clears throat> you make some valid points. In a few years, will we be looking back saying the coach blew this draft? That remains to be seen. Um, there, it's up to the coach to develop him, provide him with enough mm-hmm. weapons and coaching so that he's successful. But only time will tell. Yeah. And, yeah, the Colts at least have shown uh, the history of adding players to uh, an elite quarterback if they have one. You know, they, they've added, put a good team around him. It took a time for uh, Peyton Man to get to a championship game and win one, but he got there nonetheless. And he was excited before he even got to a championship game. So he was already looked at as Peyton Manning, the stat boy, before he had gotten there. Anthony Richardson, the clock is on you now. You were on the clock or the Indianapolis was on the clock before you came. Now you're on the clock when it comes down to you starting and playing for that team. And he is right. Ursay is right. You need to play. That's the only way to find out. Not preseason, not going back and forth through the media, trying to decide should he play or not. Going out there and playing is all that should matter. And good luck to him. I'm, I'm not one of these people looking for him to fail just because I don't think he's going to succeed <laughs> on a high level. You, you know, be a lot right. of those people. But I, I would like to see him succeed. I, I would like to be made a fool of. You know, look, Russell Wilson did it up in Seattle, coming out as a third round pick out of Wisconsin. And well, this guy is the future Hall of Famer more than likely. Yeah, I was saying you you want to be wrong. Um, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. Well, uh, but, well, oh, here we go. You know, in modern times, a lot of players, they're entitled in all sports. Yeah. Entitled, they get coddled. People want to hold their hands. And, you know, this is sort of refreshing. Hey, get your ass in the fire and let's see what you can do. Yep. And, and you know, some of these players, they'll go out there and stink up the joint and then look crazy in the face when you say, you know what, take a seat. There might be somebody out there who can do a better job. <laughs> I mean, Jamarcus Russell comes to mind when that happens. You know, why are you taking me out? I want to win a game. That's why. You know? And so, yeah, players are like that. They're coddled. And, you know, and the NFL, once again, starting up very soon. In about two weeks, training camps open up. And the first preseason game is less than a month away in the Hall of Fame game as the New York Jets take on the Cleveland Browns. And all of these teams, all 32 teams, right now, everybody's O and O. I don't, I'm not going to just say, oh, they all have a chance to become Super Bowl champs. No, they don't. We know who's good, who's bad, and we know who's in the running and who's legitimate. And one of those teams that may be legitimate is the New Orleans Saints and Alvin Kamara, you know, pleading, well, not guilty, you know, to a misdemeanor charge. He'll get a chance to play again. I mean, another situation where he pleaded not guilty or. I think he pled not guilty. No, he pleaded, yeah, no contest, no contest. Okay, I was going to say. Yeah, he pled no contest to breach of the peace for an incident back in 2022. So he's one of those names that's kind of disappeared over the years in the NFL. Before, you used to hear about Albert Kamara all the time. 
making those big plays out of the backfield, being in the backfield. He was just a stud player. And I think it got away from him and doing these things on the, off the field is even more of an issue for him. Right. It's concerning because the, the charge was assault. Mm-hmm. So but it's a misdemeanor. What kind of assault was it? If it's not just no contest to misdemeanor, you know, um, ah, who knows? He threw a football at somebody. <laughs> I don't know. But you know, pro athletes have to be careful with the situations they get into. You know, there's we have idiotic fans out there. Uh some people would try and test athletes for no yeah, good reason other than to bump their sensitive egos. Um I don't know. You guys just need to be careful. Yeah, you have people on airplanes trying to mess with an old Mike Tyson. So you know the clout that these fans try to clout chase against the wrong people. So it doesn't even matter. If you're chasing after even an old Mike Tyson, man, that means you're liable to do any damn thing. Rob a banker, whatever the hell it is. That's that's just how this the, where we are today. Not only entitled players, entitled fans. You just give me an autograph. I got to do something. I might throw a glass of water in your face. I might stick my foot out and try to trip you. I might shove you for not wanting you to give me, for not wanting to give me an autograph. So that's that's a mess. Yes. A lot of people on social media are, they think they're tough guys, but they've never been punched in the face or punched anyone else in the face. Yeah, Charlie Zelenoff, that's a guy who needs to be punched in the face. <laughs> First thought to my, my brain, he's been punched in the face and he still acts a fool. It doesn't even matter, man. Well, he's a but, cheap shot artist. Yeah, he's a cheap shot artist and a fringe, but I'm not even going to call him a box. We're going to get to the boxing a little bit later. <laughs> But sticking with the NFL, because that's hot on the press right now with a lot of things happening, even though this is all-star day, the NL, the AL, getting after it in baseball. But we'll get around to that in just one moment. We have some NFL to continue because there's still some pretty big names on the market in the NFL who have not signed to play with their teams or even not accepted their uh, franchise tag tender right now. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is not one of those franchise tender guys, but he is, in my opinion, the biggest name on the market right now. Yeah, there's some uh, homeless free agents out there. They're yeah. going to be needing a home really soon, as you mentioned. Uh, camps open up in a few weeks. Uh, the more time goes by, the more time they miss, the less effective they'll be in the season. So they want to get get with their teams and get situated as soon as possible. So how much is this maybe a little manufactured? Some of these players are holding it out and getting past a little bit of camp because, you know, even veterans, especially, they know what they can do. We know what they can do. Do they really have to get into a camp? They know how it is to be a professional. They do their off-season workouts. Do they really want to go to camp? And, I mean, is there a strategy behind just waiting and waiting and waiting? Let one week of camp go by first. Let's get those drills out of the way. Then I'll come in. Maybe, but – that's assuming they have a team to report to. Yeah, that's true. At, too. at the time, at the moment, they don't have a team to report to, so they're not holding out on anybody. They they're not getting the deals they want. See, I can understand a wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins waiting for the largest dollar amount, even though he's not going to get what he was supposed to have gotten in Arizona, because the wide receivers are important to offenses much more than running backs. That's why I'm still looking at Dalvin Cook a little cross-eyed right now. He's been given an opportunity in his hometown, the Miami Dolphins, but he wants that big money that he's probably not going to get. Yeah, we talked about him already. Uh, he may be second-guessing that decision to decline it. Uh, if, uh, no, 
more time passes by and he doesn't get another offer. Yeah, you know what? I, and that's the problem. If he does have other offers on the table, we now know, well, those offers aren't as good as the Dolphins offer right now because he hasn't taken them. And this is an opportunity, at least on paper right now, to play for a playoff-bound team. The Dolphins, if Tua stays healthy, a lot of ifs across the board, but they're in play to be in the AFC East, which may be the most competitive division in football this year, surprisingly, with the Jets getting better with Ann Rodgers. We already know what we have with the Buffalo Bills and now the Miami Dolphins. And then even the Patriots, because the Bill Belichick factor, regardless of who's there at quarterback and other positions, Bill Belichick always putting the pedal to the metal, and he doesn't have consecutive years as of late in recent memory in which he's not doing something that's threatening in the division and throughout the entire NFL. Yeah, but you look at that division, that division is pretty stacked, and yes. I don't see the Patriots coming out on top. Yeah, that's why I mentioned just three of those teams, because the Patriots will be, <laughs> in my opinion, as it stands right now, bringing up the rear, but it's going <laughs> to be something to see Bill Belichick finally have to do something again without Tom Brady. Is Matt Jones going to be his version of Tom Brady, or is he going to throw someone else into the mix? The third year for Mac Jones, like a lot of quarterbacks who've come through the NFL over the years, you typically want to give him that third year. This is the year that should start seeing the light. But with him having that bad sophomore year, is his junior year any better? It should get better, theoretically, if he finally saw the light. Yeah, as you mentioned, usually that third year, it's it's uh, time to step up. There's no more uh, hand-holding. You know, nope. the, the training wheels come off. And this could be a make or break year for Mac Jones. Yeah, and Bill Belichick doesn't play any games. He, you know, you're either going to play the way he needs you to play, or we'll be looking at the Patriots on the clock looking for the next quarterback, maybe Caleb Williams next year from USC coming to over to the East Coast <clears throat> playing in the cold weather in New England. But another player that's on that list, as we could look down at the homeless free agents right now, Sway Kwan Barkley <laughs> is another one of those players from the Giants. He has the ability. He just hasn't stayed healthy over the years. He's still a valuable piece of their puzzle. Yeah. Now, what is his situation? He's a free agent or he just didn't accept the franchise tag? I don't, I don't believe he didn't accept the franchise tag. I, You know, look, I, I think he might be a free agent. The deal is he said that <clears throat> he doesn't want to break the bank. So that leads me to believe that he's probably not hasn't been offered that franchise tag. He doesn't want to break the bank. He just wants to come to a conclusion in which there's a fair transaction between both teams, both one, between he and his team, uh, his, his management team or his, his agency. And, you know, so he's not trying to break the bank. He seems to be the only one that's realistic about his value. It's just that I believe the Giants have spent so much money on Daniel Jones. There isn't a lot of wiggle room, but also in light of his injuries over the past Saquon Barkley's injuries, I mean, you could be a little leery in terms of the amount of money you want to give him, but the amount of years is just as important. Right. So it could be a situation where teams don't want to give him, you know, max years or because of his injury situations. And it's tough for running backs nowadays, as we've talked about extensively. Running backs just are not as important as they used to be. Yep. Uh, we have we have people running backs in the NFL complaining how it's the worst position in the league. Yep. Uh, they don't get compensated. 
uh, that's just the world we live in nowadays. The running back is just not a, a feature position in the NFL anymore. Nope. And because of the way offenses have changed with the run pass option, the spread offenses, you know, you look at it in college, how many times have a, has a running back led rushing in a spread offense and even college. And that's just an, an, a continuation when you get to the NFL, more complex, more athletic, but it has not transferred over four running backs in the NFL. The day and age of the, the bell cow running back like Derrick Henry, who's now showing he can get injured and has been injured. And at one point has been in trade discussions after signing his contract just two seasons ago, we see how his life in the NFL is, you know, you shouldn't be surprised but it is exactly what it is. And the money for them in terms of franchise tendering is just over $10 million. So unbelievable. And as we've mentioned in previous shows, you have a rookie running back in B. John Robinson getting over $13 million, the highest paid running back in the NFL in this upcoming season, unproven, sight unseen, <laughs> even ahead of Christian McCaffrey, who's the most diverse running back in all of the NFL. Yeah, I'm sure that rubbed a lot of running backs the wrong way. You know, Delvin Cook, Saquon Barkley included. Um, the props to him. He, he can't hate on anybody for getting their bag. But what is, what is he going to get for a second contract? Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> Will there be a second contract? <laughs> you know, I think these guys hold out for so long. And I think these teams have the upper hand. I mean, now we have 17 games. Guys were getting brutalized over 16 games. You know, the hypocrisy of the NFL, I already know. We are concerned about your CTE. Let's add an extra game to that to make sure you can have CTE. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. And, you know, as far as, um, you know, Dalvin Cook and now Brent, um, uh, um, Saquon Broccoli, and I was going to say Brandon Jacobs, another Giants running back from way back in the day. <laughs> but, but Saquon Broccoli, you know, I think – that they just have to play the wait and see game because the teams have the leverage. They can just do running back by committee and still have pretty much a solid success success. Because if you're injured all the time in Saquon Barkley's case, well, they've played without you before anyway, and they've gone with running back by committee and with the money they've given Daniel Jones, they believe he could carry the team. And like in a roundabout way, he kind of sort of did this past season. Yeah. It, it seems like that most NFL teams have gone by the running back by committee uh, way. Um, you you got to have at least two guys who can run the ball. In in today's NFL, you, they added the extra game. Guys are getting beat up, and they're just not. You know who who who's going to be strong enough to run uh, the ball for 17 games? I mean, even Earl Campbell back in the day wow. was a monster runner over everybody. He broke down eventually. Yeah. You know, he didn't have a 12, 13-year career. Yeah, the big guys that used to brutalize offenses or brutalize defenses back in the day, and you've mentioned that. And, God, I mean, even right now, um, Derrick Henry is showing the wear and tear of a long career, even though when he's at his best, he's one of the best who ever done it. But we're seeing how that's coming to an end real quickly. And with his name in trade discussions in the past, we see what the team thinks about him and what his value really is to the NFL it's almost like they're going to try to restructure his contract if he doesn't have some type of a career game or career season. And I believe even after a career season, they think that they've probably milked the cow enough to let him go even then. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing about the NFL. Uh, if your your contract's not guaranteed, you can find yourself on the soup line. 
And that's for sure. No one in the NFL's contract is guaranteed outside of the signing bonus. That's why these guys hold out. And the signing bonus is normally what they're looking for. Another running back out there because it seems to be a running back's world and homelessness and running back world seems to run rampant. Josh Jacobs of the Raiders, another disgruntled running back, not wanting to sign his tender. Uh, I think he did assign his tender of $10 million plus for the Raiders. I mean, this is a player who had over 1,600 yards this past season, and he was no longer the three yards in a cloud of dust player he once was. Over four yards a pop last season, 4.6 to be exact. Yeah, Raiders have a lot of different things going on. They're they're kind of in flux. They have a new quarterback. They were, they were with Derek Carr for a long time, and now he's not there. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Vegas. But Josh Jacobs and the Raiders, I mean, we know what the Raiders were. As long as there's a Davis owning them, don't think about anything conventional. When Al Davis was the guy, <laughs> they didn't do anything conventional. He had his gripe since his AFL days. He just brought it to the NFL and made life miserable for NFL brass when he was there. And I don't think anything's different. It's a team that's in disarray. You can look at them on paper, whether the offensive line is playing great or whether you have a great running back or quarterback, and they're not going anywhere. And they'll still tell you about a tradition of winning. You know, And it's been that way. Just win, baby, since when? You know what I mean? The 80s? I mean, Rich Gannon got you there, and you took it a lump on your head from uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that year. But Josh Jacobs is another one of these homeless running backs on the rack. But it's not just running backs. We're talking about at least a quarterback. Well, one was Teddy Bridgewater we talked about before. But Carson Wentz Carson seems Wentz. to be the bigger name. Carson Wentz. What's going on with him? Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, who knows what he's been offered? Who knows what he's looking for? Um, uh, he's better than a bunch of quarterbacks who, who are QB1 on some rosters right now, so I, I don't know. So When you see something like that, I, I think the natural inclination is to believe that they may be a problem in the locker room. You know what I mean? Now he's been with a multitude of teams, and it seems like he can't stick. Now, he's done some pretty bad things in terms of his play. I remember how he played against the Jaguars when the Colts had a chance to go to the playoffs, and the Jaguars upset them and they were no longer in the playoffs, and Indianapolis immediately was like, oh, nope, can't have him. And we've seen his act in the NFL. We saw when he was on the rise in Philadelphia, and then Foles came in and took his job after he was hurt, won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia. Things just don't go right for him. Is he that good? And I knew coming out of North Dakota State, people like to look at that small college pedigree and say, it was bound to happen in the NFL. He hit the wall, and this is who he really is. I don't know if he's that good, but I don't think he's that bad. You know, they, there's some there's some fraudulent QB1s out there. That's true. I mean, they're fraudulent. The way the NFL is now and with the <laughs> extra game added, there are fraudulent quarterback twos out there. Yeah, well, that's for sure. <laughs> because they would definitely get an opportunity at some point. And, you know, Jameis Winston, in my opinion, being one of those guys. I keep hearing stories of how good he is with the chalkboard. I remember – uh, Gruden once saying how great he was, one of the smartest quarterback, if not the smartest quarterback I've ever met when I was in the chalkboard with on the chalkboard with him coming out of the draft. And then we get this. I mean, when he, even when he's setting records, he's setting bad records. I threw this many touchdowns, but you threw even more interceptions. You threw over <laughs> five grand. I mean, it just never ends with this kind of play. But Carson Wentz, I don't know what, what went wrong. Is it a psychological thing? Or is he just not with the right team? I mean, the right team used to be 
the Philadelphia Eagles. They no longer need him, obviously. But I don't know what the right team and right circumstance for him could be right now, even with all of these weaker starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know what, who the right team is neither. Um, if I were him, I, he may want to take the first offer that comes his way. Yeah, you know what? And that sounds like, you know, if you just want to play football, there are teams to play with. There are 31 other teams to play with outside of the team that just cut you. You know what I mean? You can even have a backup role in – in Philadelphia, where you came from, I doubt it. But you know what? That's I, I, I don't even know if he's even even an option. Or if he humbles himself, he be Joe Burrow's backup, be Josh Allen's backup. Go to San Diego; it's beautiful out there. You know, be somebody's no. backup. And if that number one guy goes down, hey, you step in for a good team. Yeah, and the opportunity for a quarterback to go down is out there because of the extra game. Seventeen games for a quarterback is almost as brutal as it is for a running back. So, yeah, we may have quarterbacks going down more often than they were going down. Even with all of the rules to protect them, there may be a case where that happens and he can find an opportunity. Uh, you know, off the top of my head, wh what team would be a good team with him? Atlanta? Or, um, I don't know, Atlanta could be one. or uh, Not Kansas City, we know that. But <laughs> just look at anywhere right now. I mean, a backup in Denver. I mean, Russell Wilson was looking pretty terrible last year, but – Sean Payton coming along right now may be able to help him out even in his old age. That's true. Or that could be one heck of a, a camp, a battle for QB1. Yeah, and speaking of just the rest of the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs don't have a problem, but one of their fans who's called a super fan, Chiefsaholic, was a problem for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was on the run for four months before getting caught for robbery. What's going on with these fans? I'm talking about entitled. He thought he was entitled to your money. He couldn't get himself a signing bonus, so he said, hell with it. I'll just find a bank in California to go rob. And, and the, the, the backstory is he steals about $70,000. And then over the course of, I believe, six months, he drizzles it into an account somewhere else. Like, no one's going to find out about this. And it, it adds up to 70 grand. The same 70 grand that's been stolen just ends up in your account over time, but not so subtly put into your account. Yeah, that shows right there. The guy's not too bright. Oh, well, that's, that's pretty good analysis because that's all we need to know. Doing something <laughs> that stupid shows that you are that bright. And maybe this is the beginning of the football season where the fans and players are finally on the same stage trying to see who can outdo one another. They got pissed at John Morant doing what he does in the NBA. They're like, hell, us fans could do even worse. And then our players in the NFL can do just the same. Let's hope there, are. there isn't any gunplay while that's being said. And gunplay might have been what was called yesterday during the All-Star Home Run Derby. Vlad Guerrero, the Toronto Blue Jays, smacking out home run after home run after home run. Did he set a record just a couple of years ago hitting those home runs? He did it again. 16 years after his father, Vlad Guerrero Sr., the Impaler, done the same. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about it. You know, one guy was the uh, the uh, home run derby, and then 16 years later, his son wins it. I mean, if you wrote if you wrote a Hollywood movie, people wouldn't believe it. Exactly, because when you look at how great, I mean, great his father was, and then you see a son doing the same things. You know, that's one of the guys I cannot stand to see when the Yankees play the Toronto Blue Jays. Because, you know, and he owns the Yankees, by the way. Let's not even act like he doesn't have a deed to the house. He just goes in and smash home runs, whether it's in Toronto, whether it's in New York. 
That's what he does. And normally, he is the reason why they win the games when they do play against the Yankees. And it's annoying as a Yankee fan, but I like watching guys like that play. Young guys coming through, not even the pipeline. He's already there. And he's the star on the team and a home run derby for him and his father. I mean, another father-son duo, as we already know, Ken Griffey Sr., Ken Griffey Jr. But in this case, I think Ken Griffey Jr. Cecil Cecil Fielder's son. Uh, Cecil, and uh, you know, the unfortunate thing that happened with Cecil Fielder's son uh, with the neck injury and couldn't play baseball anymore. But as far as Ken Griffey Jr. Bobby and Barry Bonds. Yeah, Bobby. See, you name a player like Barry Bonds, and I know he's tainted only because of the allegations and possibilities of PEDs. He was a whole famer before that even happened. His ego got the best of him. I saw a quote. I saw a quote right before the show started, our show started. He's saying he was vindicated. He wants to know why he's not in the Hall of Fame. I don't know about that vindication. Uh, Maybe I missed it. What do you mean by vindicated? Does it have a new definition, or did someone really find something? I I don't know. I just, it's just a quote. He says he doesn't understand why he gets snubbed from the Hall of Fame. He's been vindicated. Well, Roger Clemens Uh, and Roger Clemens, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, they probably think the same thing. You know, Rafael Palmero, it should have been Big Poppy at the same time, but hey, who's talking? Big Poppy. Uh, That reminds me, I saw um, a headline from Rob Madford said uh, P. Rose, it won't be reinstated. I don't see why anybody's asking. Um, one thing, you know, the Black Sox, they were banned for life. Yeah. They're all dead now. So mm-hmm. why isn't Shoeless Joe Jackson in the Hall of Fame now? P. Rose is still alive. Well, Shoeless Joe Jackson and the Black Sox was a completely different thing. They threw the game. I'm just saying he was he was banned for life. His yes, life he was. ended, so now he should no longer be banned. You know what? That's a hell of a point. I never even thought of it that way. You're banned for life. Okay, now that you're dead, did you get any posthumously? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they do it so often to many other players in all sports and in boxing. You know, guys that should make it, they, they don't make it. And then the year after they pass away, oh, now they get in. Well, what's the point of that? You got to get to enjoy it. And even that, I still never even thought about it as, you know what, you're bad for life. But once you're dead, you're pretty much eligible. You know? But people... According to the terms. Yeah. I mean, not not indefinitely, not forever, for life. Life is over. If now a a commissioner comes out and says, you're bad forever, now that would put more teeth behind (laughs) it. You know, and I hope they don't end up saying that. But Don't ask. In 50 years, don't ask. 100 years, don't ask. Yeah. It's forever. <laughs> well, and, and you know, forever is forever. And, and Pete Rose, what do you think about him going into the Hall of Fame? You know, I'm not going to act like gambling doesn't have anything to do with anything. But, God, man, he did so much for baseball, man. He did, but he hasn't done himself any favors. He still claims he's innocent. There was so much evidence against him. I mean, I think he... He's ruined it for himself. If he had any shot, he hasn't shown any contrition. He has, you know, he hasn't owned up to it. So why should they let him in? Well, you know what? Time will tell. And I tell you what, I think as these older writers die out and you get these younger writers that come in who make the vote and go into the Hall of Fame and they're a little bit more magnanimous about the past and they read more about Pete Rose and folklore instead of living through it as you and I might have done. You know, maybe they will be more forgiving and allow him and Roger Clemens and a couple of the other guys, Barry Bonds included, into the Hall of Fame. I think that's a real possibility. 
These old curmudgeons, the same ones who don't even allow anyone to come in unanimously. Unbelievable. Who's the one guy that who's the one guy that didn't vote for Mariano? Oh, well, oh, I thought Mariano got in. I thought Derek Jeter didn't get in unanimity. Was oh, it Mariano did get a unanimous? Oh, did he? I think. Oh he did wow, I can, I can see Jeter not being unanimous. You know, I, so thought I, there just, was, I thought there was one guy that kept him from being unanimous. You know what? That's some research I'm going to have to do. But I could have sworn <laughs> that Mariano Rivera, because he's my favorite player of all time, he supplanted uh, Dave Winfield. Because by the way, Dave Winfield wasn't a a uh, pure Yankee. We know he was with the Padres before he came to the Yankees. <laughs> we have a farm boy, a farm hand here who came up through the pipeline, through with our team, stayed a lifetime, and became a legend because of it. That's my guy, Mariano Rivera. But I think he got in unanimously and rightfully so. Who would be a freaking fool not to vote for him? And after the show, I'll do some research, and I might just find <laughs> that fool if there has been a fool. But, but either way, <laughs> it, it's crazy, man. But, um, and, you know, Going back in the day, even if you want to stick with baseball and these ridiculous curmudgeons and these old so-called purists of baseball, Mickey Mantle didn't even get in on the first ballot. And Joe DiMaggio didn't get in. I don't, I don't believe that. I'm not first ballot, but unanimously. And even Babe Ruth. So we know what we're dealing with. You just want to be different. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah, it, it said, you know, a lot of sports writers throughout the years have thought very highly of themselves. And unfortunately, they uh, they didn't vote the way they should have. They act like umpires, like all these people <laughs> go to a game to see the umpire. That's that's exactly what it seems like. You know, they think that the, the people come in to I, I, read I their article that. about a player. They believe that someone came in to read I mean, it could, it could be they, they were at a game on a Tuesday night and they saw the player do something he didn't like. And so from that point on, they just that player rubbed him the wrong way. So when it came time to vote, Hall of Fame, no, he's oh, not on my list. You know what? The way to solve this nonsense, make them known from the very beginning, so they can be held accountable for their nonsense. Because all of this anonymous nonsense, the way they can do what they want, and then you find out that one person or that second person, <laughs> make him get on a panel and explain to you what he was thinking. Let let someone get on the panel and tell me what they were thinking when yeah, they or they should get them all, all in, get them all in the room on stage and be like, everybody who voted yes, raise your hand. And then you see the one guy who didn't, see how stupid he feels. Well, he'll probably raise his hand too. Because it'll feel like a game <laughs> of seven up. Like when I used to play in elementary school, when he was seven up, everybody had, their, everybody had their thumb down and I would just put random people's thumb up. And it was like, everybody open your eyes and stand up who had their thumbs put What are you down. looking at me for? I voted for him. I voted for him. <laughs> Ten people get up instead of seven. So you know there were shenanigans involved. Yeah. <laughs> But make this person go to the front and be held accountable to everyone of baseball about why and how did you come to this conclusion? How did you not vote for Joe DiMaggio? How did you not vote for Mickey Mantle and everyone else who wasn't a unanimous pick until Mariana Rivera, if that happens to be the case, which I believe it is. But who give us the reason behind it, man, because no one knew who I was and I knew I could get away what? with it. It's like the NBA, Steph being the only unanimous MVP. There should have been unanimous MVPs oh, before on. Steph. Yeah, you know, like if, you go, if you go through the whole list of MVPs, Steph did not have the greatest MVP season. Yeah, I'm a Steph fan, so I'm not disrespecting Steph. I'm just saying he should not have been the first unanimous MVP. Yeah, just enough shenanigans in football, I mean, basketball and baseball, and sticking with basketball now. Hey, the stories always keep coming out of the NBA. 
We thought we were through with the NBA when Nikola Jokic walked off the stage with a championship with the Denver Nuggets. We thought we were done after the draft. We thought we were done even after Summer League last weekend and even some of this week. But we're not because Zion, like that STD, keeps coming back. <laughs> he keeps giving to us. And it's not even Christmas. What's going on? Zion Williamson having issues eating, pawning, and everything else. I have to watch the video, so I don't know exactly what he said, but I got the gist of it, that he's having discipline and diet problems, um, which leads me to believe he's having weight issues. Yo, get in the gym, start working out on your game, and leave them skanks alone, and you you're, you won't have a diet problem. Leave those skanks alone. At least cut that from your <laughs> diet. I mean, all of a sudden, he has fish on his diet. I thought that made you lose weight. He's gaining weight with these fishy chicks all around. And <laughs> as far as him losing weight, we've seen him lose weight before. He did it last season when he got back down to playing weight. Before when we had saw pictures of him with the Mountain Dew and the chips, and he was a fat kid, and we was like, you know what, an 18, 19-year-old kid, 20-year-old kid, Gets that kind of money, doesn't know how to act. Well, we gave him a little bit of a buffer because of that. We gave him a kind of a pass because of it. Now he has all of these other elements, not just basketball, not just keeping his weight down, but now all of these shenanigans that everyone keeps all eyes on him. Where is he going to be able to play without those issues? And I hear, I'm hearing every now and then he might go to New York. Bro, if you can't get it done in New Orleans with that scrutiny, even though we're in a smaller world today with social media, you would not survive in New York. Why would they even do that to him? Yeah, I haven't heard any rumors, but I don't think New York is the place for him uh, if he's having those type of issues. Um, skanks will probably be more readily available in New York. Um, <laughs> hey, the, hey. The food, <laughs> the food in New York, um, nightlife in New York. He, he just has to focus, man. He's got to get in the gym, work on his game. You know, it's not like he's he's maxed out talent-wise. He he has a lot to work on. Good. You know, he's got to work on his jumper. Uh, he's got to work on his handles. He can't just turn and dunk on everybody, no. even though he, he does it often. You, but, you know, you the more you work out, the more you play, the less you have to worry about your diet. Yeah, and the talent is there. And, I mean, it's, it's been it's his dude. We've seen flashes of it when he's healthier in the NBA and the weight issues kind of made it worse. But he has the athleticism. And I think if he goes to the gym and works on his mid-range game like M M MJ did when he worked in his mid-range game when he didn't have to go to the rack anymore and dunk in your face, you know, get some diversity to you. And the chicks on the outside, get over it, man. There are so many of them to worry about one, two, or three. You have so much money. Would he have this status if he did not play basketball? Of course not. He would just be another big guy playing at the Y. But you're in the NBA, man. You get all of this money. You got all of this fame. And you got chances to create continued lifetime generational wealth. And he's choosing against it. And that's just a shame right now. All of this talent that he has because the guy is really talented. This isn't someone like Greg Oden who has an injury. And there was some question about his talent after a little while in the NBA. We still see this talent when he plays Zion Williamson, and hopefully he gets it together. It's no longer a laughing matter. We can, Missy will be. I'm not going to lie. Any other story that comes up about him, I'm willing and willing and able to laugh at him. But I hope things do work out for him because if yeah, they don't definitely. work out for him, we're stuck with watching circuses 
with Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou or whatever his name is these days. The circus is in town and it's not even Ringling Brothers. MMA, boxing, boxing, MMA, what is this nonsense, man? Should we even be talking about this? Not really, other than to say it's a farce. If it's boxing, Fury knocks him out. If it's MMA, Fury gets choked out, submitted, or whatever. Um, but I, I'm I'm seeing people talking about Ngannou has uh, one-punch KO power, or this and that. Boxing gloves and MMA gloves are way different, man. Um, if you go back to the Floyd and Conor McGregor fight, Conor landed his best uppercut he ever threw on Floyd, and it had little to no impact. None. Floyd ate that Floyd, shot. Yeah, kept coming. Walked him down. Walked him down. Dad. The yeah. guy who's old and past his prime does not have a punch. Knocked out the guy that Dana White said this is the, one of the hardest punches I've ever seen. Right. I know we the told he has insane power. Huh? Uh, we were told he has insane power. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Maybe with the little MMA gloves, that's true. But with boxing gloves, no. Man, even with the big boxing glove, there's more of a concussive impact when you hit somebody. I mean, the, the gloves, I know MMA gloves are smaller, but typically gloves are on your hands not to protect a fighter, but to protect a fighter's hands so they can have a longer fight. That's the history of boxing. The bare knuckle era pretty much stopped because guys' hands were so brutalized they couldn't continue to fight. Not because they were so concerned about a fighter. We don't want you to hurt each other. No, we want to put gloves on your hands so that you can continue fighting even longer. <laughs> and that's what they did until they short the, shortened the, rate, the, uh, the, the rounds and then guys really went at it then. But nevertheless, when it comes to these two guys, man, I mean, there isn't anything appealing about this. After boxing was having such a great year and still more fights <clears throat> to come with Bud and Spence well, and then a new way in Fulton, just this month, and even with Charlo fighting Canelo in September, there's a lot to offer out there. And of course, I didn't mention that. that, that guy that's what I wanted to say. Uh, boxing seems to be making the big fights that fans wants to see. Want to see? Yeah. If you're going to spend your money, save it on a good fight, not not a circus. You know, spend yeah. it on Bud, Bud and Spence, even Canelo, uh, Charlo, whatever big fights come up later this year. Um, Garcia and Tank, they set the tone and other fighters seem to be following in their footsteps. So it's a good good time for boxing right now. Also, relative to something like Dillian White and AJ and all of these other farces out there, you might want to spit it on some Bud and not just Bud Crawford. Just to get your <laughs> mind off of the nonsense that's going on. So make sure you join us because we're coming to an end with this conversation we're having with you on sports. The Sports Bad Bros Podcast episode number 24 is now in the books. And we will get back with you tomorrow. The All-Star Game will be over by then. We will cover what happens in this All-Star Game as the AL takes on the NL. And we're going to see the top players in all of baseball with the AL, the NL led by eight players from the Braves trying to show the AL for a change. What's up? We'll see you then. See you.